It's go time. Welcome to Quick Kicks here on Third Down Gamble. A very special guest joining me tonight. The one, the only, Andrew Hoskins of the Turf District is here with us to talk all things Edmonton Elks football. Andrew, welcome back to the program. Well, thanks again, my friend. It is nice to be back talking football. Uh, our show is in a bit of uh, our, our our winter break, so uh, it's nice to uh, get back on the mic and chat with somebody and talk some CFL football and Elks because uh, there's just a couple of things that may have gone on. A couple is a scant, and I don't think there's been a scant. I do believe (laughs) that there has been a lot more going on. First and foremost, something that was on our program, quarterbacks taken the cuts. We've seen Trevor Harris, Jeremiah Mazzoli, Bo Levi Mitchell, Jake Mayer, all taking a shave on the contract. Now, some of it is front-loaded with bonuses, so it doesn't hurt the cap. So they're not losing as much. Each one of them, except for Mayer, had a season where they were injured. And Mayer, are they making room? Well, you, you got to think that uh, this is the time of year where you're moving everything around, getting ready for free agency, right? You have free agency is three weeks away, and <laughs> it's uh, it, it it's really not that far, and that's... That's the exciting part, but it also means as much as they can, teams are trying to move things around so that they get the space to bring people in. So uh, as all these quarterbacks are getting a shave, there is uh, other quarterbacks that are being signed to massive deals. So um, it's it's a little interesting time right now because so many teams are in flux. And uh, I I think that uh, some of those deals... You, you look at the production that Bo Levi had last year, it 100% makes sense that you would try and restructure that that has a little more playtime bonuses, a little more incentives. Um, the Mazzoli one, of course, having two years back-to-back being out, you would hope that he would be able to give the team a team-friendly deal, which he has. Uh, now, that could be a lights-out deal if he can stay healthy and come in and, and help Tyree Adams to that next level, uh, Dustin Crum to that next level. That could be a huge thing uh, for Ottawa. Even Trevor Harris, he's looking at, okay, I'm, I can come back, and, and he's coming back from an injury year, but taking a little bit there helps to bring in some of these free agents that are going to want to follow Corey Mace. I, I think there's some some real good uh, planning that's going on there for guys that are, that are going to be coming over. So uh, I think the bigger picture is being talked about in these places and the quarterbacks are saying, sure. Yeah. I, I, I want to be part of this bigger picture you're talking about. And you're right. If you create cap space now, and part of the problem is too, for CFL teams, that window of going to the NFL is wide open. And we've seen a few players sign Austin Mack being probably the most significant player moving south, it does then create some consternation on parts of the teams. Who's actually going to land there and who is not? And how, how do we approach this? Brady Oliveira, one of the classic examples, tried to land somewhere in the States. It's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But in the interim, what do you do if you're the Blue Bombers? How do you renegotiate with a guy that's looking south? Yeah, well, and I, I think there's going to be some of those guys that are going to do that. I think there's a lot of teams, though, that are looking right now and saying, okay, well, 
how much money can we show? Because we do have these plans for these other guys too. <laughs> the nice thing is I'm sure they have a general idea of where that needs to go too. They're like, okay, well, I can get this guy for this and this. So maybe I have this much going on. You know what I mean? But you would think that there, there's teams that are just like, okay, I don't want to just dump it right away. I'm like, let's actually negotiate and get to a decent dollar amount for both sides, right? Because that's going to be the conversation. I can give you all this money, but then do you still want this O-lineman in front of you that helps you run all those yards? So that's, I think that's the next conversation that's likely to happen. And I still think that uh, Brady ends up back in Winnipeg. Oh, that's interesting because I'm almost putting money that he doesn't wind up in Winnipeg, at least for the short term. It's going to be a year or two away, and then he'll probably return to the Blue Bombers after. I kind of think he wants to test the market and see what's available to him. Yep. You don't find that many Canadians, especially, that produce the way he did. Now, Andrew Harris has just retired. There's one of them that is now out of the picture. That does open a door for mm-hmm. Oliveira, and he has nothing to be ashamed of in terms of what he did for the Blue Bombers these last few years. Oh, no, I agree with that. The thing is, when you bring in a Canadian back, you either have to have, you're either bringing him in as your eighth Canadian, um, or you need to have a really good backup for him. Is there another team that has a really good Canadian backup other than Winnipeg, who has Johnny Augustine? That's a great question. And that's that's my thing. I don't know that another team would have to be bringing him in, like I said, as a, uh, treating him almost as, a, as an American, as an eighth Canadian, uh, just because if there is an injury, then what? How do you how do you make sure you're fielding your seven Canadians? So I think that'll play a role. If if BC hadn't just said they're expecting big things out of Taekwon Mizell, I might think that they would put some feelers out at least to, to Brady Oliveira to help that running game because that was a, a thing that kind of bit them later in the year last year. I, I, I don't know, my gut just says Brady's back in blue and gold. One of the names that has been brought up repeatedly that is probably going to fetch the most interest in free agency other than Brady Oliveira is Drew Brown. Yes. Edmonton clearly has taken themselves out of those sweepstakes. I would think so at this point, yes. Where does Brown wind up? Winnipeg, I don't think, is going to try to renegotiate Zach Kolaris. So where does he go? That is a great question. Up until a little while, uh, like a couple of weeks ago, I, I might have said that that was going, that Ottawa might have been interested. But they decided to go back again with the veteran to help their young guys and, and kind of work their way through, which totally understandable. However, Sean Burke did say that if there's a quarterback out there and they can get him, yep. they are going to bring him in. He's not afraid to go hunting. And the other part of it is, remember, Mazzoli is on a very team-friendly contract. They could absolutely go after Drew Brown and then say, okay, Mazzoli, you're going you're gonna to help him out and we'll see how this goes, right? So that's definitely a possibility. There's not many other spots for him to land. Not even Saskatchewan? Uh, well, I know that that's a big talk. The, the trick is, is he, what he would have to decipher is, is this, is Harris going to stop playing before Calaris? I think so, but he's going to have to think that because Trevor's number one in Saskatchewan. So is he coming in to play backup for another year, which might be the only spot he has? But is is that a is that a possibility? And 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 it is for sure. He might be making that choice. 
I think there's that you have to think about it though. Like which one is going to get me into the playing number one first? And eh, probably not Winnipeg <laughs> at this point. Harris, his contract is up at the end of this season. Right. If you're Drew Brown, you know, 2025, if you're coming to the Rough Riders, then you're going to be, you will be. You should. That should be the case. Jeremy O'Day has come out quite categorically and said, this team has to build for the future, even at quarterback. Mm -hmm. And if you're Trevor Harris, you're starting to learn that you're probably going to be acting more as a coach and a mentor rather than the guy that's running out in the field every snap. The other team, some speculated, was Calgary because Jake Mayer took that cut. Right. Again, does Calgary want to venture into those waters? Outside of that, I, everyone else seems pretty set at quarterback. The other thing is, is that I wonder if somebody wants to, if, they're, if he's going to change teams, if somebody wants to bring him in as a little bit higher paid backup, much like uh, in Ottawa when they had Henry Burris and then they brought in Trevor Harris and gave him a, an, an almost equally big deal because they wanted to have Harris in the system for a year and learn from the guy who's there and they can kind of evaluate, is this the guy we want as our starter? Like, I wonder if that's what some teams are thinking with Drew Brown, where they're like, okay, we've seen him play five games, I think it is, in this entire, in the entirety. Um, and there's definitely some bright spots when he came in against Edmonton that, like, that was an amazing comeback, right? But then the next week in Calgary, he got thumped uh, against a Calgary team that wasn't that good. <laughs> so, so I wonder if there might be a little thought there where you're like, okay, well, we're going to pay more. We may pay more this season and then the bigger dollars come for season two, season three with the idea of, okay, come in and, and let's see how this plays out over this year with the plan likely for you to start next year. That's what they did with Ottawa. And, uh, and then we'll just kind of see how it plays out over the year. Does that make sense? I, I understand where you're going with that. It It's basically you sign them maybe a little bit low on the first season just to make sure that he understands the system that he's getting into and then year two. But still higher than a regular backup, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I, mean. I I get that. Like you're you're not gonna pay him starting, but you're not gonna pay him backup. You're gonna be in between. Correct. And with the, all of that money available, then you could maybe shore up the O line if you needed to do that or, or something. Or do that and and incentivize it in a big way because again if Trevor gets hurt, then you know who's coming in, right? And that's the thing too, with Trevor Harris, he's going to be 38. His window is closing much faster than even a McLeod Bethel Thompson's is right now. And that I think is a significant thing for the Rough Riders to really have to get their heads wrapped around. They had two young quarterbacks in the stable, Jake Dolagala and, and Mason Fine. Right now, there's been no movement on either. Right. That is a signal to anyone that would be to me, that they're looking at somebody else to come in. Now, does Taylor Cornelius factor into that? That's another option for sure. Like Taylor is around and, and is, I mean, he's amazing as the, as the short yardage guy, because all he has to do is lean forward and he gets like three yards. Um, so, and, and maybe with not having the pressure on of starting, Taylor's a, a good stop for that. Uh, my thought on on Taylor 
um, was that we may, I, I'm not sure who's going to be the backup in BC. And that, that was where I kind of had him landing. Um, because, you know, Vernon's not going anywhere. Um, but that, that might be a spot where Taylor can succeed under that coaching. Right. So get Jordan Maximic, get a hold of him and see what happens that way. So I think that there could be some, uh, some, some good spots for, for Taylor. I, I he's, he's going to have to really work his way back to become a starting quarterback. And that's where there might be some trepidation. If you bring him into a place like BC and then Vernon Adams gets hurt. Well, okay. Is that what we want? So there might be some, a little bit of work there, but he's going to play in a little bit for sure. I just don't know if he's as big a factor as some, as some are making it out to be. I love the idea of about him being in British Columbia, because one of the things that we've seen with Vernon Adams Jr. is towards the end of the season, he's not playing on the field. Mm. He's been injured with that knee a couple of times now. Yep. And if he's not available, you've got to have somebody. Now, Dane Evans was the guy. He's decided that he's going south and he's going to be coaching, which is fine. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Now you've got a problem in British Columbia. You've got a Grey Cup coming up. You've got to do something to make sure that you've got two quality quarterbacks in that stable so that no matter what happens, you've got somebody that can win you football games. And so is that one that they're willing to back up a bit of a truck for Drew Brown? That's a great question. Except that does Drew don't want that because Vernon's not that old. He's not going anywhere real quick. So tough to say. That would be that would be an interesting choice. But that's why I didn't, I kind of ruled that one out. But eh, there's a possibility, I guess. Yeah. Well, the Drew Brown situation. If you want to go and be a starter, I think Saskatchewan is probably your best bet or Ottawa. Mm-hmm. After that, you're taking your chances wherever you go, because you got an incumbent that is going to take care of business in front of you. And does he want to wait? I don't think he does. He's getting to that age where guys in the league tend to start 26, 27 years old. That's when right. they actually get their moment. Yep. Yeah. So if you think so let's just play this out. If Drew Brown goes to Saskatchewan, then do you think they keep Dola Gala as that third guy? You don't think so? No, I don't think so. I think he's gone. So who do they keep as the, who do they, because ha- they need the third. More likely Mason Fine, I would Mason think. Mason Fine? Do- Dola Gala would, just because of the body of work, I think he would command more money. In that circumstance, he might wind up in BC or. That, that was going to, that was what I was going to say. <laughs> Maybe then. The fallout from where Drew Brown lands is what what goes to BC, right? So there'll be a bit of that for sure. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a unique situation. We think back to the year that Riley Mitchell, all of these guys were all free agents, and and everybody was scrambling to get to them. Mm-hmm. Well, now you've got essentially Drew Brown is the the real pearl out there, and it's a struggle for a couple of teams to justify why we would go after him, given what we've got already. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's more like, well, how are we going to play this out to make it good for good for the team and for him? Right. So lots of uh, lots of questions on that for sure. Let's look at the guy who did make some money. McLeod Bethel Thompson comes to Edmonton at pretty much 500 large. That's a bit of a surprise. How was that received in Edmonton? Well, uh, a mixed review. I know even for myself when it when the first was announced, I think the part that I was more 
upset about was just the there is there's definitely a, a loss in marketing because the team had put so much backing into marketing Trey Ford, uh, understandably, and and they should uh, an exciting young Canadian quarterback and a likable guy, <laughs> easy to easy to market, all those types of things. And uh, my worry, of course, with all of the conversations happening about ownership and who's going to uh, take on the team and, and that type of thing, it's, it's hard to lose that a big marketing piece like that when you're trying to sell the team. After I had a little chance to think about it, though, McLeod Bethel Thompson played under Jarius Jackson and Chris Jones was on the team, both in Toronto. And when he had one of his enormous two years that he had there and the leadership side is massive. Um, Not to say that Trey Ford can't lead a team. He, he is leading a team, but Chris Jones did make a really good point in the fact that, you know, Trey Ford was injured his first year. Yes. He played nine games last year and, and, and did had some great moments and some great games but he also that he couldn't get it together once the team's kind of figured out what he was doing and and there's always that leadership side of you you have to learn that leadership and and I was going back and thinking about how you know Moon had Wilkin Wilkinson Dunnigan had Moon Allen had Dunnigan Ham had Allen um you know like all of these guys had another quarterback that was a leader that could kind of teach them the ropes and kind of get used to it. You even look at Mike Riley, he had Travis Lule, right? And taught them how to lead, taught them how to take the team on, how to take that role and and excel at it. And I think that that could be an invaluable lesson for a Trey Ford who is such an athletic guy to learn from somebody who's been around, who's done that, who's had success, and then take his game to the next level, I, I think that that could be really, really good. And uh, again, listening to McLeod, you you understand there's a lot of uh, a great leadership qualities there. So uh, it's, it's an interesting move for sure. Uh, not everybody will like it. I don't like the fact that it, you know, divides a fan base again, that's been divided over and over and over for four years. But I want to see what all the rest of the moves are before I get too uh, jumpy on this being a really good or really bad move. But where does Trey Ford go with this information? McLeod Bethel Thompson in his press conference said that he had reached out to Ford and talked to him about what had happened Chris Jones said that Ford was not consulted prior to this signing. Now, does he owe it to him? I don't know. He was the starting quarterback at the end of the season. He would have thought he was penciled in for the beginning of this season. Does he get that courtesy or is it a courtesy? I don't know. That I look at it from if, from any other job perspective. I, I could be a, a, an amazing manager. I could be an amazing team lead, all of those kind of things if my manager has an opportunity to bring somebody in that can really change the team in a positive way, I don't expect him to come to me and say, Hey, just so you know, um, I'm going to be bringing this person in and they're going to take on this role, which I, I know you were expecting to get, but 
it's like the decision is already made before he talks to me. That's just life with a real job. So I don't, I don't you know, th this is their real job. I can imagine there has to be a conversation after the fact, right? They have to be able to be in the same room together. You have to be able to talk to one another, all of those kind of things. But I really like the fact that you hear that McLeod says, yeah, I reached out. I, I gave him that space to be upset, which, you know, if it was me, I, I would be too. But then let's work together to make this better. And, and hope, I guess, that we don't know is in behind closed doors is, are now they going to Trey and saying, well, look at how much money we gave him. Now we signed him on a one-year deal. Would you like some of that money next year? Show us you can get it. He's in a th literally his second year playing because his first year he was injured the entire year. I don't, uh, I don't mind that as, a, as an incentive either. I, don't get me wrong. I would love to have him already locked up, but I, I see some of the wisdom in the move. It's still a gamble, a big gamble, because unless we get some help on the offensive line, I'm a little worried about what might happen to McLeod Bethel Thompson standing in there. But if he can make Gino a, a top wide receiver again, and now the addition of Curly Gittens Jr., who he already knows and had a massive year with two years ago, if that can all connect and they start winning games, uh, this could be a, a really good gamble that paid off. Before I get to the Ceresna trade, mm -hmm. I just want to ask one more thing about uh, Jones has never appeared to me to be that high on Ford. I, for whatever reason, they drafted him high. I'm wondering if you're Trey Ford, if you're thinking, well, I'm on an expiring contract this year. Maybe I can head somewhere else after this season. I'll learn what I can from Thompson and then move on myself. Yep. hundred percent. Part of the gamble. Yep. You are correct. And it's tough to say, like, nobody knows what that relationship is like. There's rumors on both sides, right? There's rumors that they don't like each other. There's rumors that they have their moments. <laughs> like, There's rumors all over the place, right? None of it is actually saying, okay, well, this is definitely happening. Amazing athlete. One of the most athletic quarterbacks we've seen in a long time. But do you want to be Casey Printers or do you want to be Mike Riley? You, you can be mobile, and you can, but you got to be able to throw the ball and you have to be able to lead the team. To me, that doesn't that doesn't happen very often. You you don't have a Nathan Rourke who comes in on his second year and can lead the team like that, right? So there is a little bit of uh, maturation that can go on there, and I think that this is a good challenge to step up and do that. Again, the risk of that is he may not be here next year because he might take it personally. And that would be it, right? My guess is that uh, there'll be a few teams that would be more than happy to say, hey, come lead our team next year. So he's going to have some things on the table, but he's got to be able to come in and, and show that he's able to take that next step. Chris Jones especially believes that McLeod Bethel Thompson is the man to get them going quickly. I guess he had to do what he had to do. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, and I think that's the thing. I think a lot of these things you see happening are like, well, I got to make this happen. I got to find something that's going to, that's going to stir this team. And my guess again, if they're, if they're letting Jake go, they, they've, they've got to have some other line on some other great 
defensive lineman that's going to be there. They do have some other great defensive linemen in the mix already with Jamin Pelly and Sam Achampong played very well last year. They need to see a little more from Cole Nelson. They they were getting some push and that does tell me that I'm guessing that it's fairly likely they're re-signing AC Leonard because they, they got rid of one rush end. I can't imagine they get rid of both. So there 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 is but I I there is just something that tells me they have a line on some other rusher that they're excited about that this deal could happen. So but he's he's gonna do everything he can to make sure that it's like, nope, we're we're gonna be out there and pushing and, and creating havoc. Jake Ceresna is now in Toronto as a result of Curly Gittens coming to Edmonton. What was the feeling about that? Ceresna had been kind of one of the veterans of the team, had been there prior to the pandemic, and now there's very few links to that 2019 team. And there's just hardly anybody left. No, there's not many that were here when uh, the previous GM was here, right? So uh, Jake was one of those holdovers and very, very tough trade. Uh, I am, I'm not upset to have Curly Gittins Jr. join the team. Uh, an amazing Canadian receiver and and had his best years with McLeod Bethel Thompson under Jarius Jackson being the offensive coordinator. So nice ads that way. Um, and, and that's exciting to have, a, you know, a 1A and 1B if you, you've got a Geno Lewis and, and a Curly Gittins Jr. Not not upset about that. But when you, to get that kind of quality, you've got to trade away quality. And um Really, really hard. Jake was amazing in the community. He was good with fans. He was always great to us uh, on the podcast. Quiet guy, but always uh, kind of a steady rock and, and a heck of a player on the line. What a lot of the analysis is coming out is saying that obviously Toronto is a little worried about keeping their defensive line free agents. Edmonton was able to secure a really good piece in Curly Gittens that helps your Canadian ratio, but also helps with McLeod because he already knows how to work with him. So that's a big deal. And I'm curious to know if then Edmonton's thinking, well, there's going to be a lot of defensive line free agents. So maybe we get one of those in return. Maybe they're able to be one of the teams that takes one of those guys away. It's going to be a, a, it's, it's a bigger picture thing. I can see both teams kind of winning out of it, but it's really hard to lose a guy like Jake for sure. It's been a rough go. The team has won 11 games in the last three years. Ironically, did a little bit of research. Last time Edmonton won 11 games over three seasons was six, 1963 until 1965. Ooh. Yeah, that was also a dark time. Uh, I, I, I know. That was post-Jackie Parker. <laughs> I wasn't there, but I did, uh, I did hear about it. That was, those were the dark days, so... And yeah, we just came out of some dark days for sure. Yeah, you know what? It it's so tough. That I think that's part of the reason that the move with McLeod is is hard for a, for a lot of Edmonton fans is because even though they were losing games at the end of the season, there was that spark, there was that hope, there was that okay, this this kid is going to be something, right? Although I I just spent the first 10 minutes of the show talking about how he could use that help. And I, I, I do think he can use the help and I hope it makes him into an amazing quarterback on a whole other level. But I think that might be part of the reason that it's like, Oh, well now we're back into the, well, is this really going to work and what's going to happen? 
the biggest thing I, I guess I would say is just, to, well, we got to wait until we see the rest of the picture. We got to see what happens in free agency. We got to see what happens in the draft. Once again, Edmonton has the first overall pick. Do so they trade that away again and and get a couple? That's how they got Trey Ford, <laughs> right? Like they can, they can move stuff around and still get uh, great players. So this next month and a half is going to be just really wild for the Elks because you have to know that Jones is on a, a win or I'm out type thing. So it's a win now type idea. So he's got to go and get the right people that he thinks will make this happen. And that means probably a, a, a number of changes, but hopefully guys that'll just be there and solid in their positions for the season. Does that mean for Edmonton that come draft day, that number one pick moves so that they can get somebody that's a veteran that they can come in and play right away? Uh, I don't know if they'll, I don't know if they'll do that. Uh, and the reason I say that is because the the number one overall Canadian draft usually is not somebody who's just going to pick up and come in and play right away. Like sometimes, but it's kind of rare, right? So I don't know too many teams that be like, okay, here's this veteran guy with a with this hit on the salary cap that is another issue for Edmonton. We're gonna we're gonna give you that, which is would at that point would be almost like a salary dump to some degree uh, to get the first overall pick. Well a first overall pick that's not going to play for a couple of years. So I, I don't know if I see that. I, I can see much like what they did with Montreal 2021 or the first overall pick and they traded down with Montreal to get the rights to Carter O'Donnell, who's another Canadian O-lineman. I, I wonder if it might be that type of a situation or it might be a situation where there is, they're likely to get a, a good Canadian in return for that first overall pick that might be more where they're leaning but I, I think much like it was before if they're going to move it they'll wait until that last minute and then make the the trade which you, you, I mean I guess it's become a little more commonplace in the last couple of years in the CFL draft but to I remember when that happened in 21 where when I talked to G-Roy after I'm like a, like a trade like that wow <laughs> I didn't know what to do. That's weird. Like that doesn't. And he kind of laughed and said, yeah. So eh, they found a way though. Elks are going to be busy during free agency, or are they going to be kind of caught in the same wake that everybody else is as a bunch of Argonauts wind up in Regina? Yeah. <laughs> I I won't go so far as to say they're going to be busy, but they'll be steady. Or I, at least I hope so. But with some of the releases that they've recently made, with some of the free agents that are still, and, and we had a very short free agents list, but there is still some names on there. They are bringing back some guys, but this trade, nobody saw coming the, you know, even McLeod, like I know there were rumors about it, but it wasn't really e until it was confirmed. Even a lot of people were like, really? <laughs> you know? So, so we'll see. I, I don't know how much cap space they're going to have once they get some of these other free agents under uh, under wraps. So my 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 hope is that they look at some help for the offensive line, and uh, and that will uh, hopefully give McLeod a bit more time, which will help all everyone else: Gino, Curly, Cobb, Mitchell again, who can now needs to have a bounce back season. 
that could turn into something very special. So I, I, I think there's going to be some key moves, but I don't think they're going to be signing like 10 guys. I, I, I have a feeling it'll be, you know, three or four. Rough Riders and Elks sort of kick off the season, so we'll see which crossroads which team is going to be at. Yeah, do not do the guaranteed win night. I will say that. I don't uh, I don't, don't think we can support that this year, uh, but I would say it's, it'll, it'll be, uh, once again, an interesting start to the season. Well, and you mentioned too about Chris Jones, and one of the things that Edmonton has just got off the books is the money they owed to the previous regime. Mm -hmm. Do they want to, if something doesn't go right this year, look at carrying Chris Jones for another year without him being head coach? He's on a four-year deal, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, That is what he said, yes. Yeah, so... So if you fire him after three, you're paying him for four. Yep, which at least it's only one, not three or four, right? So the thing is, is at this point, though, if, if you don't have a team that's at least 500 and uh, challenging for a playoff spot. Like really, if we're not making the steps, then there's, there would have to be a change. And I hate to say that, you know, I, I've, I'm the one that always preaches consistency and consistency helps and all these kind of things, but there's definitely going to be some, a uh, hard look at what's going on. If, if they come out the same way, like I, I honestly think that, if if he's not at least four and five by halfway in the season, it might even happen sooner. Like you, you, you were, they have to put some wins on the board and get some people coming back to the games. And Ottawa's in the same situation where they've got to start turning the corner. The Rough Riders are in a different situation. They just have to win sometime after September the 5th. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're really good at the ones beforehand, especially the games that are handed to them by certain teams. But you know, it's, uh, not, not that I'm saying, you know, anyone in particular, <clears throat> but I do, I do think, come on now, come on now. That record was a fraud last year. We know that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The second half was more what the real team was. We'll see how that, if they, if they get that hot start again, there's always going to be that worry in the back of people's minds. Do they can they maintain it right here? If we get a hot start, people won't be like, Oh man. Okay. There's, there's hope. There's some, cause the last two years, the, the first nine games have been awful. You know, we barely get a, a win if any or zero wins like last year. So, so I think a little bit different in the fan bases there, just based on the history of the last couple of years. You're right about the rough riders and maybe they were a little bit, fortunate in the first part of the season, especially last year. <laughs> fortunate is a good word. Yep. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think Corey Mace is going to bring to this team is accountability. I agree. Where Craig Dickinson liked to be liked by everybody, Corey Mace, a true born leader. And I think there's that level of accountability. Chris Jones has got that too. The buck stops with me. Right. Yes. No, I agree. I'm actually really jealous of the coaching staff that you are that they are assembling in Saskatchewan, you know, Corey Mace, we see Jordan Lennon come from the Elks over and uh, he was really, really good to the guys here. We see uh, JC Sherritt making his return to the CFL in a coaching role, which pains me to see him in the wrong color green, but I am excited for him to get the opportunity. And, And you know that that coaching staff has got a bunch of young, good leaders 
And I feel like Corey Mace just would will know how to keep everybody in the right spot. And I agree with you. He will bring a level of accountability and he will bring a level of compete that isn't, hey, yeah, we're all we're all friends. The the players will want to play for him and be his friend because they succeed in his system, not because hey, we're buddies. You know, like so I, I think I'm curious to know how that plays out. And it might take a season or two for them to kind of blend everybody together. So I hope there is a, a, a little bit of patience there. But but I do think that he he will have guys playing at a at a different level. Andrew Hoskins, thank you so much for being on the program. Where can people find you on the socials? Thank you very much for having me. As always, Don, it's uh, fun to talk your ear off about football. I appreciate your patience listening to, to me ramble on. But uh, yes, you can find the uh, the Turf District. We return on January the 30th. Uh, we go live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at 8.30 that night. And uh, then the show usually comes out the next day. The podcast can be found on all of your podcatchers. Uh, but uh, join in the huddle. You can find us anywhere pretty much at the Turf District. Uh, and uh, there we have a couple of fun surprises coming this year. Uh, some maybe some merch, maybe some fun other things. So uh, make sure you're tuning in. Hey, it's well worth it. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Third Down Gamble. Join us again, the Third Down Gamble podcast, audio worth watching. Third Down Gamble uses the expert resources provided by Canadian Football League player and game statistics, for analytics, game notes, and statistics, and 3downnation.com for news, insight, and in-depth analysis. Please visit cfl.ca and 3downnation.com for the most up-to-date information on the Canadian Football League.